check. Praise the Lord. Good morning, church. Welcome. Praise God. Happy New Year. We are so excited to be here today, our first service in the new year, and I hope you come ready to worship the Lord this morning. We're excited about what God has in store for us here at Pleasant Grove Assembly of God. We're believing God for great things in this new year, and uh, we're praying, believe us believing together. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. We're welcome again. We're going to open in prayer in just a moment. We're going to have a time of worship, but I wanted to share with you, uh, don't forget that this Wednesday, our first Wednesday of every month is dedicated to prayer. And uh, let's come out Wednesday. Uh, Come out and let's pray. We want to stand in the gap for our nation. We want to pray for this year and all that God is going to do. I'm excited about it. I'm believing God for a great revival. Amen. 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 That God would come down and that he would visit his people. 
Amen. Well, we're going to be praying for our families, for our nation, for our church. So come out Wednesday night, 7 o'clock right here. Come ready to pray and seek God. It's going to be a great time. And uh, praise the Lord. Stand with me, if you will, this morning. We're going to open in prayer, and we're going to worship the Lord today. He's worthy. Amen. Amen. He's worthy of all of our praise, honor, and glory. It all goes to Him today. We thank Him today for His love. Amen. We thank Him for His great salvation that He extends to us by His grace through faith in Jesus, our Lord and our Savior today. Let's honor Him with our highest praise. Heavenly Father, we love You this morning. Lord God, we thank You for this day, Lord God. Father, this first service of 2021, Lord God, we come with a great expectation, Lord, to meet with You this morning. God, we're believing You for great things, not only today, but in this upcoming year, that You would move in a mighty way, Lord God. Father, let it begin right now. Let revival begin, Lord, right now in every one of our hearts this morning. Lord, as we come, as we offer our worship to you today, may you be lifted up. May you be glorified in this place, Lord God, today. Have your way in our service. We pray that you would touch and minister to every heart today, that you would touch and meet every need according to your riches in glory. And Father, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. When upon that
Lord our God, we bless you and praise you. We acknowledge and we honor you. You are God and there is none other. You are God and there is none like unto thee. And we praise and worship and adore you with all that is within us. Lord Jesus, we praise your holy name. And we thank you for your presence that descends upon the praises of your people. We thank you for your presence that fills your sanctuary. And even now is touching hearts and speaking to minds, refreshing the weary, filling the thirsty, imparting life to the weary. We thank you, Lord. We pray, Lord, speak to us this morning. Give us ears to hear. And give us a faith that will receive and respond to the word of the Lord. Let your power be manifest in precious and lasting ways. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Well, good morning. Happy New Year. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. Bring on another year. It's all right. Bring it on. Bring it on. Amen. If you have your Bibles, if you would go with me, please, to 1 Kings chapter 17. We want to continue. We began last week a series of sermons from the life of Elijah, the prophet of the Old Testament. We want to continue. This is our second message on to cherish, or the boot camp of faith. The boot camp of faith. If you ever been to a boot camp, a basic training, it'll either develop you or disqualify you. That's what it's intended to do. It's intended two things. Either going to develop you, make you into a soldier, a marine, whatever, or it's going to disqualify you, send you back to mama where you should have stayed. Amen. And, um, but God has his boot camps that he takes his people through and that either develops them or disqualifies them. Either puts them back to where they should have been or it takes them to where God wants them to be. And let's study that this morning. Can you say amen? First Kings 17. I'm going to read from the New King James Version. Uh, I just the, the wording is just a little better for this. And Elijah the Tishbite, verse 1, Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. And then the word of the Lord came to him saying, Get away from here. Turn eastward and hide by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. And it will be that you shall drink from the brook. And I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. Underline there and you're thinking. You're there matters. You're not going to get God's blessing if you ain't there. Oh, Lord. Messing up English already. All right. So he went and did. He went and did according to the word of the Lord. That's important that you go and do according to the word of the Lord. For he went and stayed by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook, like we like to say, bringing them quarter pounders twice a day. And it happened after a while the brook dried up. Because there had been no rain on the land. Lord, we thank you for your word. Speak to us this morning. We thank you with a new year comes a new vision, a new grace, a new strength, a new expectation. A new deposit of strength and peace and power to take it on and to walk uprightly and to walk victoriously. In Jesus' name and God's people said... We continue our series from the life of the prophet Elijah. The background or the setting of our story is it was a spiritually and morally the darkest of days in the kingdom of Israel. Wicked King Ahab and his evil queen Jezebel had torn down the altars of Jehovah, had killed his priests, and now were attempting to force the entire nation to worship the vile and false god Baal. Then out of seemingly nowhere, God sends his prophet Elijah to confront the evil and declare the word of God's judgment upon the apostate king. Elijah's name means, my God is Jehovah, or the Lord is my God. The Lord is my God. And he bore the name that his message declared. He was a prophet and he was a man of prayer. He was a man of stern character and continence. He was a man of courage. We'll see later on a man of compassion. And of course, he had a fiery zeal for the living God. Now, he was sent of God, and we see how the story begins. Elijah just walks into Ahab's presence. He's unannounced. He's uninvited. Certainly, his message is unwanted. And he declares God's word and walks out. 
no pleasantries, no short talk. Thus saith the Lord. Out. Verse 1 is his word. He says, as the Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall be no dew, no rain except of my words. A famine's coming. It's going to be a drought. A sign of God's judgment upon a people that had broken his covenant and had served the false. Oh my. We note last week the great message of Elijah is a great message for us. Let's read it together on our PowerPoint. God's cause, no matter how dark the outlook, will never fail. And those who remain faithful to Him in the end will be vindicated. One more time. God's cause. God's cause. No matter how dark the outlook, will never fail. And those who remain faithful to Him will finally be vindicated. The life of Elijah should encourage and educate us. It should stir our hearts as it instructs our minds. Because as followers of the Lord Jesus, we live in a fallen world. As followers of the King of Kings, we live in this world, but we're not of it. And all of us, to one extent or the other, we face misunderstanding, pressure, persecutions from this age, from a world that's going the opposite way of the Word of God. But yet, we still have to stand apart from sin, apart from the philosophy of this age, apart from the moral compromise, but we also have to stand for the God we love and the Jesus we praise and the Gospel we believe. We have to stand separated from sin, but yet stand for the Savior and not be ashamed of His Gospel or His Word or His name. And we thank God that if we will stand for God, we know God will stand with us And we have, as faithful believers, we have that assurance that if we'll stand with Him, regardless of which way the world is going, which way the the government is believing, if we'll stand with God, God will stand for us, God will come against our enemies, and God will bring us through. Now, last week we looked at five reasons why the life of Elijah, his story, should encourage us. We looked at that. Now this week, before we get to the boot camp of faith, the boot camp of Cherith, Let's note a couple of things that made Elijah like he was. Remember, men and women of God don't happen by accident. It's not something you're born into. It's something that God produces in you. So we note when we study the life of Elijah, number one, Elijah was more concerned by his private prayer to God than his public pronouncement to men. More more, um, concerned about his private prayer than his public ministry. We ask, where did a man like this get such courage and get such conviction from? Where did he get such a sensitivity to the heart of God and a compassion for the people of God? Where does such a thing come from? Where? In the secret place. He spent time with God. Fellowship and communion into the heart of God produces this. In fact, when we study the Bible, we see that the lives of men and women who truly knew God who truly loved God, we find a common thread in their lives. They spent time with the Father. We see that in the life of Jesus, of Paul, of Peter. We see it in Moses' life. We see it in Samuel and the prophets. We see it in David. Jesus lived. And He taught us this all-important lesson. You remember the story from Luke 10. It's that familiar tale of Mary and Martha. And Jesus is at the house and they're going to cook Him a meal. And, And the Bible says how Mary, the one sister, just sat at His feet listening to His Word, soaking it in, taking in the presence of God. But Martha, now she was just busy and distracted and finally she got frustrated and critical and complaining. And into that story, Jesus taught us one of the greatest lessons for life. Luke 10, 41 and 42. Let's look at this together. Jesus speaks these words that are a key to the heart of God, to mature Christianity. He says, Martha, Martha, listen, you're worried and upset about many things. And in this life, there are a lot of things you can't be worried about if you choose to. Worried about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. But only, he said, one thing is needed. It's absolutely necessary. But Mary has chosen it. you got to choose it. But if you do, God will honor it. He says it won't be taken from you. You'll receive the reward of it. He's talking about personal, private, quality time with God. That personal time in prayer and in Bible study, sitting at His feet in the secret place. Jesus shows us here that that type of 
consistent. Time with God, it's needed. It must be chosen. But it will be honored and it will be rewarded if we make the choice. It's a beautiful thought. It's needed to grow in God. It's needed to mature as a believer. It's needed to um, stay um, solid as a Christian. It's needed to remain strong as we fight this good fight of faith. It's needed to become sensitive to the heart of God and really feel what God feels and see what God sees. It's needed to stay faithful in the works and in the warfare of the Lord. It's needed to have that enduring power that won't fail and flutter and fall along the wayside every time things get tough, but it'll continue to be a finisher, not a quitter for the things of God. It's needed, Jesus teaches. It's necessary, Jesus teaches, and it's a key to Elijah, this great prophet's life. We spoke last week from James 5 and 17, where the Bible says that Elijah, though he was a man just like us, he wasn't a superman, he was a man of flaws and a, a man of fatigue, and he had a man of, of, he had problems, he wasn't always on top of things. He was a man like us, yet he was a righteous man, and he was a man of prayer. He was a man, yes, but he was a man that chose to seek the Lord. He understood his need for the presence of God, and he made that choice, and God honored that choice and rewarded that choice by making him a strong man in a very backslidden age, by making him a very bold man in a very fearful and timid generation. In the days of Elijah, as well as in the hour that we live, prayer in private is a source of power and purity in public. Prayer in private, a source of power and purity in public. He could stand unafraid, in the presence of this wicked king, but first he had knelt in humility before the king of kings. Notice Elijah's words. He says, as the Lord God of Israel lives. Verse 17, as the Lord God of Israel lives. Jehovah was alive to him. Everybody else was acting like he was dead. They were backsliding. They were serving other gods. They were thinking that maybe this God wasn't real anymore. He was deaf and he was distant. That he was unconcerned and unable to do anything about the situation of the age. But because Elijah spent time with God, he had within his heart an experience that enabled him to say, like Job many, many years before, I know my Redeemer lives. My God is alive. My God. God is alive. Things might be confusing. Things might not be easy. But I know my Redeemer lives. I know my God is alive and well. Paul said it from a prison. I know in whom I have believed in. And I am persuaded He is able to help us. He is able to heal us. Oh, when you know God, you can stand firm. Even when the world around you is in convulsions. Oh, my Lord, when all around me is sinking sand on Christ, the solid rock I stand when you have a personal relationship with the Lord. I'm not talking a second-hand thing. I'm not talking mama's religion. But when you have a personal experience with Jesus, when it's real to you, when God is alive to you, then you're able to stand when others fall. You're able to obey when others are backsliding. You're able to continue on regardless of the storms you face. Regardless of the odds that are against you, you know that greater is He that's with you and within you than He that's in the world. Can you say amen? Oh, glory be to God. Oh, yes. When you know your God is real, when God is alive to you, when He's alive to you, then men's denials and life's contradictions cannot shake the faith of the One who has apprehended God for Himself. Have you apprehended God for yourself? Do you know Him personally? Have you met Jesus personally? Do you know that you know He is alive and He's with you and He's for you? Hallelujah. Oh, no second-hand thing. This is a personal walk. You can't shake the faith of a man or woman that knows Jesus personally. You can't shake the faith of the one that walks with them. Now, you can shake a grandma's faith and, you know, someone else's faith. You, you can shake a, well, out back 20 years ago. No, but when you've got something living and vibrant, when you're abiding in Him and He's abiding in you, my Lord, then the world can do whatever it wants. That man or woman of God won't be shaken. That man or woman of God will be standing when the smoke settles and the dust settles. We see as we study the life of Elijah, 
He was more concerned about private prayer to God than his public pronouncement to men. He was also more concerned about the reputation of God than the recognition of men. More concerned about pleasing God than pleasing man. You see, when you penetrate the heart of God, God penetrates you. You care about God. You care about His name. You care about His honor. You care about His will. Your love for Jesus becomes very personal, very powerful, very real. Your love for Jesus, as it should if you're a Christian, becomes very sincere and very serious. This is what moved Elijah in the first place. He loved God. He was zealous for the Lord. He cared about the things God cared about. He saw the conditions. He understood the people had fallen away from the true and living God. His heart was broken. A righteous anger stirred within him. He saw the unashamed idolatry. He saw the open sin. He saw the mockery and the rejection of God's Word and God's will and God's worship. And it moved into prayer. He was so gripped and so moved by what he saw that the God that he loved so much was being denied and being denounced. That it moved into prayer. He got along with God with a broken and burdened heart gripping his soul. And he prayed and he prayed. And then one day he prayed. He said, oh God, intervene. Oh God, break through. Oh God, wake them up. Oh God, revive us. Oh God, visit us. And then one day God tapped him on the shoulder and said, son, I have need of thee. Son, I have a need for thee. But what will people say, Lord, if I'm to stand in such a fallen world? What will people say, Lord, if I'm to speak such a word that is not wanted or not desired? It's an unpopular walk you ask me to walk. It's an unpopular will you ask me to keep. It's an unpopular word you want me to declare, O Lord. But listen, the real question that saturates the hearts of God's Elijah's and David's and Moses and Samuel's, the real question is not what will men say, but what will God say? Or what will God think if I disobey His call? If I disobey following Him wholeheartedly? Those that God uses have a great concern about the honor of God. Have a great reverence concerning the name and the Word of God. Have an awareness of the presence of God. And that awareness produces within that man a purity, a peace, a power, and a confidence in the midst of it all. Because he stood before God. Because he practiced and frequented the secret place. He wasn't only assured of God's existence. He was aware and assured of God's presence. And that makes all the difference. He wasn't just assured that there was a God. Devils know there is a God. He was confident that this God was with him. And this God was for him. And this God was God of all gods. And we spend time with the Lord. It produces in the heart of the man or woman of God that spends time with God in awareness of God's presence. And that brings a peace. That brings a power. That brings a purity. That brings a confidence into that life and into that walk. Elijah wasn't only assured of God's existence, but he was very conscious of being in God's presence. When you're conscious and have a God awareness, it changes everything. Even while appearing before the person of Ahab, he knew he was standing in the presence of Jehovah. As if he stood before that wicked king and he could declare, King, there is another witness that is here today. There is another that witnesses our lives this day. God is here. The living God is among us. The great King of all the earth dwells in the midst of His people. He's here in our midst this morning. He's in your home if you're a believer this morning. Jesus is here. He's here to touch you. He's here to speak to you. He's here to refresh you. He's here to minister grace to your hearts. Reach out to Him. Call on His name. Look to Him with an expectation of faith. For this God who is among us will heal your body, will encourage your faith, will lead you forward. He'll speak a word if you give Him an ear to hear. He'll impart grace if you open up your heart and say, Lord, fill me anew. He is here. He's in our midst. Jesus said, Lo, I am 
am with you always. Oh, my Lord and God, when you go through the fire, Jesus, I'm with you. When you go through the floods of life, I'm with you. When you have to get up after a failure, even then, I am with you. Be not afraid. You have a God who is on your side. Have the awareness of the living God dwells in the midst of His people. Wherever this life takes you, you'll never walk that walk alone. You have a Jesus that will stand by your side. He'll keep you in the good times. He'll bless you in the bad times. He'll walk with you. He'll talk with you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. And when we have the awareness that the presence of the living God is with us, it produces in our walk a peace, a purity, a power, and a confidence. There is something when you know that you know the Lord is with me. The Lord is for me. And if God be for us, who can be against? The awareness that God is not enough just to know God exists. Demons understand that. The Bible teaches that, doesn't it? You've got to be right with Him. And you've got to know He's with you as Father, as Savior, as Lord. Hallelujah. There is another witness here today. Jesus is here. Reach out and touch Him. Reach out and receive from Him. Let Him touch you. Let Him talk to you. In the name of the Lord Jesus, Father, touch your people. Let every weary heart receive comfort and encouragement now in Jesus' name. Let every mind that's looking for an answer help them, Lord. Speak to them, Lord. Give them revelation in the name of Jesus. I pray, O oh God, release Your healing virtue. Let that disease begin to dissolve. Let that sickness begin to die in Jesus' name. Let power be imparted. New strength. New joy. Let there be rejoicing in Jesus' name. Glory. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. In verse 1, Elijah declares the Word of the Lord. Then the Lord speaks to him again. Obey what God told you to do. Then He'll give you another word. Don't worry about that word if you haven't obeyed the first word. And then verse 2. Look at verse 2. The same God that says, go and show yourself, says, go, go hide yourself. There's no pre-plan in this thing. It's called walking with God. Then the Word of the Lord in verse 2 came. Get away from here. Hide by the brook. Wow. Leave here. Get away. Hide. Go to the brook for protection, for preparation, and for pulling away. For His protection. He's about to be the most wanted man in a few nations. His picture is going to be in every uh, mailbox, every post office in, in Israel and around them. Amen. Protect Him. Prepare you, because God has more work for him to do. He's getting prepared for the ultimate showdown, coming to that 18th chapter, and also a pulling away. As God's withholding the natural rain, he's going to withhold the rain of his word, and his prophet is going to be pulled away. One of the greatest judgments God can bring on any people is to pull back his word. More important than the natural rain is the word that comes from the living God. This is the boot camp of Cherith. This is... Um, where he begins further preparation and development. God is preparing his servant for the ultimate assignment and task that he had ordained for his life. Now, the word cherith comes from the Hebrew word to mean cut off or cut down. God's spokesman will now be cut off from activity. He's going to be cut down as God brings him into a season of silence and solitude and of deeper penetration. Again, this is just the beginning. You know the story. And some chapters later, he's going to face off with some 800 false prophets and see who can call down fire from heaven. He's not there yet. God, you know, you have one encounter with God, it's not over yet. Just because God gave you a word for the king, you're just beginning. There's a whole lot of more training to go to be the man God called you to be. One writer said it like this, Every servant that God designs to use must pass through the trying experience of Cherith before he's ready for the triumph of Carmel. You've got to go to Cherith if you want to go to Carmel. So Elijah passes the first test. It took courage to just boldly, unannounced, go before this wicked king. 
And not say God saved the king, but basically God's going to judge the land because of the king. I mean, he passed the first test. He appears. He speaks. But now, God says more on the job training. On the cherub. Part of the process of maturing and preparing Elijah for the ultimate assignment God had ordained for his life. Let's look at some four little points of the preparation phase that we find at the brook. Number one, we see here the procedure of faith. If you study the story of Elijah, you learn the procedure of faith. He was led by the Word of God. This is where we learn to be led, not by our circumstances, not by our emotion, not by what Grandma did in her day, but by the Word of the Lord. First, go up here. Now, go high. You're led of the Word. Step by step, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of the living God. Jesus said, man doesn't live. You don't sustain on bread alone, on natural food, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The procedure of faith. We take God at His Word one step at a time. Step by step. One command after another. This is where we learn to walk with God. We learn to trust God one day at a time. We learn how to be continually dependent on the Lord for His direction, for His provision, for His timing. Now, this is a tough lesson in our humanity. It's a tough lesson for people that we like the security of knowing the whole plan. But what am I going to tell the in-laws? Tell them you're trusting God. But what am I going to tell? You tell them you're walking with God. I'll never forget asking Pastor Beach one time, Pastor, when I meet the girl, that's the right one. Back in the days when I thought I'd just be doing a lot of traveling as an evangelist, you know, 18, 19 years old, I said, let me loose. And that image, the thought of pastoring never got in my brain. I'm too young. What do I got to tell these people? They had me in the nursery, you know what I mean? Well, I'd just rather go somewhere, jump up and down for a few days, preach and go to the next place and do it all over again. I said, Lord, when I, when I meet when I meet the one, what am I going to tell her? Oh, you know, and you know, that's not much of a life. You know, we're going to go from place to place, sleep in the back of a van until the next place opens. He's, you know, I mean, that's the 18-year-old brain thinking. And Pastor B, and her son, you just ask her to share the call and the will of God with you. Ask her to share the call and the will of God with you. That's all there is to it. We like to know the big plan. Well, what about this? I don't know about that. But I know God's Word said go. God's Word said appear. God's Word said speak. God's Word said withdraw. I'm going to live by the Word of God. I'm going to walk with God. And this lesson teaches us that. Remember, this is a walk of faith. Do What you know to do today. Know what God has told you today. Do what you need to do today. What God has shown you in the now. Obey the present word until the next word comes. Obey that word. The procedure of faith. God doesn't give us a ten-year plan. He speaks and He expects us to obey faithfully. Amen? Sincerely. Until that next word comes. Until that next word comes. The procedure of faith. But now we see within the procedure of faith, the preparation of faith. The preparation of faith. Notice that God works as we obey. I mean, I, I love the altar call. I, think it's, I love having a time at the altar. It's wonderful when people receive a touch from God. Amen? We know it's real. Us that grew up in this, we know it's real. I mean, people come up with a tumor and leave without one. I mean, we know it's real. Amen? They could come up being antagonized and heaviness and discouragement and the power of God hit them. They're free from that cloud. We know that's real. But we also know that's not the only way God works. And in fact, it's not the typical way God works. He works in us as we walk in obedience to Him. He works in us as we walk in obedience to Him. The preparation of faith. See, God is working in His servant's obedience. He's hidden. Now go high. Now He's hidden. And he's all alone. But it's not for his punishment. It's for his development. Don't waste the opportunities to grow as God leads you and God works in your life. Again, he was there not only for protection, but for preparation. Because God wanted to take that time alone to really deepen him and enrich him. When we allow God to bring us into places where God says, wait on me, we learn and grow in our stability. The roots of our faith get deeper as we're forced to trust God and wait on God 
even when we can't figure out God. Uh, we grow in our sincerity because you're lying if you don't believe that when we have to wait for an extended period of time, God begins to measure our hearts. And we can begin to waver sometimes in our attitudes. I don't know about you. I'll say amen for all of us. But in these times, our motives are checked and our motives are examined. I'm on fire for God as long as He moves quick enough for me. As long as He gives me what I want, then I'm on top of the world. But if He asks me, then I have to ask myself, am I really in this for Jesus or Joe? The preparation of faith. God works in this. He brings us into a greater stability, a greater sensitivity, a greater sincerity, a greater strength. As we commune with God through all this, we learn His voice a little clearer. We learn to wait on Him and get quiet in His presence. Through it all, we get stronger as we learn to cling on Him and receive strength from Him. Oh, yes, we do. The preparation of faith. God works as we obey. So don't put off your obedience. Obey the Lord. Don't poo-poo your obedience. Do what God's told you to do, even if it's not some big deal. If it's the Word of the Lord, obey the Word. It's the boot camp. The basic training of faith. It's there to develop us or disqualify us. The prophet goes from a very bold and courageous act to seclusion and silence. But again, no cherith, there's no caramel. There's no product without the process. Faith and patience are working to produce the servant of God. He's there to prepare him, to protect him. God sends him to the brook, and when the brook dries up, he'll be ready for the next word. Every move prepares us for the next if we're faithful in that move. Roots are developed, intimacy is enjoyed, and motives are purified. We have the procedure of faith, the preparation of faith, and now the provision of faith. God says, go hide and I will provide. God's provision is totally dependent on being where God told him to go. I want you to mark that down in your thinking. There's that little word at the end of, at the end of verse 4 where God says, And it will be that you shall drink from the brook that I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. Understand the word there? You can't just take God's promise and do what you want and live the way you want and expect God to... The ravens aren't going to follow you around. The ravens are going to go where I've told them to go, so you better go where I told you to go. Because the promise of my provisions in my will, you get outside my will, all bets are off, you see. God's provision is totally dependent on being where God told him to go. Place matters. You told the early church, you go to an upper room, not, not, in, not in Milwaukee, right in Jerusalem. You go to the upper room. I'm going to pour out my spirit there. It's important to be what God's called you to be. It's important to be doing what the Word of the Lord has called you to do. Here's our principle. When we're in God's will, He provides. Do our own thing. It's a different story. We learn this about faith. He's teaching us to walk not by experience, but by His Word. He's teaching us step by step. As I obey the Word, God will work in me and God will supply all my needs. As I stay where God wants me, He'll provide whatever I need for that present moment. I might need to eat. He'll provide that. I might need courage to face an evil king. He'll provide that. I might need the power to raise the dead of a little babe, a little boy that had fallen dead. He'll provide that. If I'm where He's called me to be, doing what He's commanded me to do, God will be there and His provision will be, His grace will be sufficient. God's place and direction includes God's provision. God still has His ravens, thank God. The provision of faith teaches that we can trust the Word of God. We obey, He provides. God says, listen, if you'll meet my conditions, I'll meet your needs. Because very soon he's going to come out of hiding. Very soon he's going to face off with some 800 false prophets to see who can call fire down from heaven. And he's got to know that God provides when I obey. And he's got to learn that my confidence is not in me, but it's in God and in the Word that he's given me. God is preparing us for what he's prepared for us. God is moving in each life. 
so that we can ultimately do more than we've ever done before. This is the boot camp, the basic training of faith. This is learning about the procedure of faith. Where we learn to be led. We learn to obey the present Word. We live by the Word of God. We don't just live by doing our own thing and saying, God bless us. But as God speaks, we walk with God. We talk with God. Secondly, the preparation of faith. We recognize as I obey God, God works in me. This is how God equips us. This is how God deepens us. We grow stronger in faith. We grow stronger in our sensitivity to God's heart. We grow stronger in our stability to stand. As we walk with God, He works in it. It's not wasted time to obey what God's called you to do, even if it's not that grand, or even if it's not that exciting. But if it's God's will, and you're in God's will, God works in you, and God develops you and blesses you. It's Number three is the provision of faith. We learn, we need to know that God will take care of His obedient ones. That God will take care of us. If God sent you there, He'll provide for you there. If God called you to do that, He'll anoint you to do that. Right there. The place is there. If He wants you there, He'll meet your need there. Again, whether you need to have food provided, He'll send the ravens. Whether you need courage to confront the wicked king, He'll provide that courage. Whether you need the fire to fall from heaven, when the time is right and you're where God's called you to be, that fire will fall. Whether it's the power to raise the dead and God's will is for you to minister that healing and that deliverance, God will be there if you're in His will. The procedure, the preparation, the provision. And finally, the purpose. The purpose of faith. What's He learning here in Cherith? Ultimately, he's learning that after a while, brooks dry up. Some people trying to drink from a brook dried up 20 years ago. Haven't moved on with God. But it drank. It was wonderful at one time. Well, sure it did. But brooks dry up. How many know brooks dry up? Shops closed down. Health's not what it used to be. Favor that you used to have. Well, they retired 30 years ago. You don't got favor there anymore. How many know that? Anybody? There's a point here. There's a point. After a while, the brook dries up. Brooks dry up and faith gets tested when brooks dry up. When the plant closes down. When the popularity of favor wanes. When the health's not what it used to be and the finances aren't what they used to be. When the opportunities that were abound are slims picking now. When doors close, brooks dry up, but God never fails. Brooks dry up, but God never fails. And if my faith is in the brook, I'm going to be sorely disappointed one day. But if my faith is in God, He'll open a new door. He'll send a fresh word. He'll make a new way of provision. Can you say amen? There's the difference. If I'm stuck on what God used to bless me, I'm going to be sorely disappointed. Because that changes. The channel of the blessing changes. But God never changed. The way God decides to help me changes constantly. But the Lord God, the Almighty, He never changes. My shepherd will be my shepherd to the last breath I breathe and then He'll welcome me into His heavenly home. My shepherd is my shepherd, but He will use many different ways and many different channels to bless me and to leave me. And if I get stuck, well, what about Granddad? I always went to Granddad. Stop going to Granddad. Learn to hear God for yourself. It's a lot easier to lean on things than to trust God and learn to trust God. The purpose of faith purpose of faith. What's he trying? He's teaching through all this. Trust me and trust my word. Don't don't trust people in places. Don't let your faith be in your experience. Let your faith be in Jesus. Let your faith be in the word of God that abideth forever. After a while, the brook dries up. Maybe that's why someone's so frustrated. Someone will listen. You're frustrated. Because you've had your faith in a brook that dried up long ago. And God's saying, get your faith back in me. And hear the present word that I'm speaking to your heart. Move out on that word. And you'll find that the same God that commanded the ravens is getting ready to command a widow. The same God that made a way there will make a way there. But don't put your faith in the channel. Put your faith in Jesus. Brooks dry up, but God never fails. And we thank God that another word's coming. When brooks dry up, we know another word's coming. It's coming, it's coming. But again, the God that commanded the ravens, you know the story. He's getting ready to command a widow. He's got another word. He's got another way. He's got another resource. Purpose. God wants us and Elijah to know that our faith must be in Him, not the channel of the blessing. I thank God for the job, but I can't have my faith in the job. 
My faith is in Jesus. Amen? I thank God for friends and family, but they're not the source of my faith. My source is they won't be there forever. But my source is in Jesus. When brooks dry up and things get thin, that's the real test, and it demands faith in God. Not in places. Not in people. Not in experiences. You know, I've seen people backslide when maybe the spiritual patriarch of a family fell away. They had their faith in the wrong thing. Their faith and their devotion, their consecration was dedicated on that person. When that person was there, they weren't there. They didn't have faith in the Lord as they should have. They had faith in the blessing of the Lord. There's a difference. There's a difference. God says, look to me and cling to me every step of the way. Elijah, you can't do it now. Remember, chapter 18 is (laughs) coming. You're going to need to know it then. Hallelujah. Glory to God. This morning we talked about the boot camp of faith. On to Cherith. How God doesn't end with one experience. But God has an ultimate goal for His servants. And He takes us through processes like He did Elijah. And Elijah was obedient and courageous and faced the king. But now God says, all right, now you've appeared. Now go and hide. And during this time of your hiding, I'm going to take you to a new level of knowing my voice of learning how to depend and trust in my word. So when the next time comes, you'll be stronger than you were before and you'll be ready for it. And you'll be ready for it. So we want to remember and respond and apply these principles to our walk that we'll continue to grow and mature and be the ones He's called us to be. But as we close, let's just remember our thought from midway through this message. God is here. These great men and women of God that we read about in the Bible, they had a great recognition of the presence of God. Not just the existence of God. Not just to know that God exists, but to know God is here. And you're His child. And when you really recognize that it helps you stay pure, also helps you stay confident, helps you stay peaceful. Father's here. He'll take care of me. Jesus is here. He's going to bring me through this. The Lord is on my side and He's with me. He's not far away. He'll help me to walk through this situation. So we're going to ask Him to touch us. This final prayer, I want you to recognize God is here. If you can recognize that, I want you to reach out. And I want you to ask Him to touch you and speak to you. Fill you. Release His power into your situation. Go ahead and stand with me as we pray our final prayer. God is here. And God wants to touch your heart today. Whatever you need, you might might just need some encouragement. You might need some fresh perspective on things. You might just need the calming presence of the Spirit just to comfort you. Take away that strain. Take away that stress that's trying to tighten you up and trying to bring you down. You might just need that peace that passes understanding just to come upon you like a blanket, like a heavenly blanket wrapping around your shoulders. You might need the nail-scarred hand of Jesus to touch you and bring healing to that part of you that is sick and afflicted. You might just need a fresh filling of refreshing for a new week and a new year. We pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank You that You are here and we thank You that nothing is too hard for You. We thank You that You're with us. We thank You that You're for us. We thank You that You know us and love us personally, individually. And I pray, Lord Jesus, in Your name, we reach out right now. Father God, touch Your people in Jesus' name. Father God, fill afresh Your people that are hungry and thirsty and weary and just want a fresh filling, a new strength for a new year. Father God, those that are going through the battle, the battle is trying to weigh them down, tense them up, make them heavy at heart. Father God, may Your peace come upon them. Let the comforting truth That their God is with them and their God is for them. Let that just begin to minister to them right now. Giving them the assurance it's going to be all right. Jesus is your helper. Jesus is your God. Oh God. Jesus is their helper. Jesus. He won't fail them. He won't forsake them. Oh Father. Right now as your people look up to you. Touch them. Speak to them. Fill them. Comfort them. Let every heaviness break. 
that areas of confusion receive peace. And I pray let healing virtue flow for the glory of God in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, let's give the Lord a clap and a praise. He's worthy and He's wonderful. And we thank Him and we honor Him. Amen and amen and amen. Lord bless you. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you on Wednesday for prayer meeting. Amen.